you know, matters about God. So the atheist challenged his friend and he said, if there is a God, may he prove himself by striking me dead right now. They waited for a moment, but nothing happened. And he said, see, there's no God. To which the Christian friend responded very, very wisely. He said, the only thing you've proven is that he is a gracious God. See, God doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. Everything he does is out of love. Not because he has something to prove. As we discussed this morning, the Bible says we need only to look to nature and it will affirm his existence. But also it will tell us how big and awe-inspiring he truly is. The psalmist must have had the similar and a similar encounter with a friend because in chapter 33, he invites the reader to worship God because his greatness cannot be measured. In verses 6 and 7, he declares, is this working? Three or two? Ah, there it is. In chapters 33, verse 6 and 7 of Psalm the psalmist said, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. This is how powerful God is. Listen. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. This is how immeasurable, how grand, how we've really run out of adjectives, honestly. Just how awe-inspiring God is. He literally can pick up the waters of the seas and put them away, just like if they were boxes. The Message Bible version says, He breathed the word and the stars popped out. He scooped sea into his jug, put ocean in his keg. Earth creatures bow before God, world dwellers down on your knees. Here's why. He spoke, and there it was, in place the moment he said so. Can our minds even wrap around the true awesomeness of God? A few years ago, Francis Chan, an author and pastor, showed this video that I'm about to show in his church in California. It's called The Awe Factor of God. It's about three minutes long, but it's very interesting. And it gives us a tiny little glimpse of the immensity of our Creator. First of all, this is the Earth, okay? It's just, just you're taking off from the Earth from Southern California, and we're gonna we're gonna rise up for a little bit here, okay? We're gonna pull away from it. We're gonna pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the Earth from that. Distance. Now you're going to, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. So you're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. 
Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the Earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the past the moon, and uh, now we're going to go to a hundred million kilometers. A hundred million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away, but now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay, you just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers, and now. We're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros, and the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away, come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go a thousand light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about a hundred thousand stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere, and we're going to pull out even further, and you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy, and, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies, and we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. How's that? for a refresher on how tiny we are. <laughs> it is truly amazing that that's what we can see. There, there's still stuff out there that we have never even heard of or visited or seen with a telescope. This is just what we can see. That's how amazing God is. He created it all. That's how amazing He is. Now what amazes me about God is that he is there beyond those galaxies and he came that distance to this earth and he could have easily created us washed his hands off once men decided to ruin the plan and then go back to where he came from and forget about us right but is that what he did that is not what he did. He could have stayed away. He could have left us here to resolve our own craziness and start fresh somewhere else. He has the power to do that. But he is love, and it is his love that which drives his desire to be close to us. And as parents, we get a taste of that. No matter what our kids do, no matter what other people say or think about them, 
We love our kids and feel responsible for them. And we have a desire to be near them, to connect with them, to hear from them. And God desires the same. In the Old Testament, there was a group of people called the Israelites. These were the descendants of Abraham, whom God chose to be his people. The ones God would use to eventually spread God's message. His message of salvation to the rest of the world. And through different circumstances, possibly their own fault, they find themselves in slavery to the Egyptians. And there's no way out. They're trapped. They cry out to God, and he promises to rescue them. We all know the story, right? After several plagues and threats to Pharaoh, they are finally free, and they go into the wilderness. But here's something interesting. Every time God promised them that he would rescue them and free them, he always added the following, so they may worship me. Here's what Exodus 9.1 says. The Lord said to Moses, go, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, say. Let my people go. Why? So that they might worship me. That was always the goal. Not just to release them from something, but to lead them toward something greater. Anyone who's ever recovered from an addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, whatever, you name it, knows this firsthand. And any reputable center or program for addicts will tell you this. Setting goals will help you recover faster. This is because an addiction takes up a lot of space in your life. And once you take that out of your life, there's a big hole in it. And you have to fill it up with something better, otherwise what, what will happen? You'll end up right back where you started, right? So God was already giving the Israelites their goal. Worship him freely, without reservation. That is the only reason Israel was saved, so that they may worship God. And may I add that this not only applies to the Israelites, but to us as well. To you and I, we're created for the same purpose, to worship God. Isaiah 43, 7 said, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, for what? For my glory. I have formed him, yes, I have made him. You and I, we are all his creation. Created for his glory. So if you're struggling tonight because you cannot seem to find your purpose, then look no further than that verse. You were created for his glory to give honor and praise to God with your life. Everything else we do in life is an added bonus. But it's not the main thing. That's why we can't find complete fulfillment when we make our lives about something else. See, work will never satisfy you. Money will never fulfill you. Family and friends are here today and gone tomorrow. But God, he is forever. And so when we get it twisted, something deep inside of us cries out, that is not the reason you were created. 
But let's go back to the Israelites for a moment. So now they're free from bondage, and we find them in the desert looking for directions. They're lost, they're hungry, they miss Egypt, if you can believe that. It's hard to believe that someone will miss their addiction, their slavery. Here's the crazier part. They deserve no grace. They were acting like ill-disciplined children. What they really needed was a good spanking and a long lecture, don't you think? They, they just did not want to do what God was asking them to do. And yet God wants to live among them. Why? They're ungrateful, disobedient people who love God only when it was convenient for them and never wanted to do what he asked of them. This is called grace. His grace makes no sense to us most of the time, which is why we never judge anyone, because we should never be the ones to determine who receives grace and who doesn't. That is God who gives it freely. And who are we to stop that, right? So God wanted to live among the Israelites, but there was just one problem. See, God is holy, an absolute perfect being without a single blemish. We, on the other hand, not so much. We are sinful creatures, and we have a lot of blemishes. So therefore, one look at God, and the Israelites would have been dead. So God couldn't just show up and say, hey, there's a town hall meeting here, let's have a Q&A. He couldn't do that. But that did not keep him away. He designed something called the tabernacle and gave Moses specific instructions on how to do it. A few years ago, my husband and I, we, uh, we were celebrating our 10th anniversary, and we did a trip to Europe to celebrate. And this would have been the first time that we left our son to the care of family. And uh, so that was a tough decision. He was three at the time and really couldn't understand why mommy and daddy were going away so, for so long. And so in order to help him understand this, we, we had gifts that he would open every day, little books and toys, and then he had a paper calendar he would cut every day. And, you know, just so that he would understand um, how much longer until mommy and daddy comes home. And so we had a couple of family members taking turn, taking care of him, just so that no one would have to miss work too much. And so that meant leaving specific instructions on how to take care of him, right? Sure, every parent has done this before, especially when they're young. And so everything from food, to bedtime routines, to favorite toys, to you name it, it's in there. To, um, at that time, he was suffering from a lot of asthma attacks, so even that was um, explicitly explained in the notes. But now, just looking at those notes, you could tell what was important to us and what was, you know, here or there. Because it would be very detailed in explanation, and it would take up the most room in the paper. And by using that same logic, we know the tabernacle was important to God. 
Nothing else in the Bible takes as much space as the detailed instructions for the construction and significance of the tabernacle. If we compare the chapters covering creation, that only takes two chapters. On the other hand, there are 37 chapters covering the instructions and significance of the tabernacle. And here's something interesting. Almost all the descriptions of the earthly tabernacles are also used to describe heaven throughout Scripture. So here is God pointing men to heaven and the plan he had already put into action for men's salvation. So let's talk about the tabernacle a little more. The tabernacle was um, called by different names, such as the sanctuary, which refers to the holy place, the tent of the Lord, a place where God temporarily dwelled, just like his people dwell in tents, the tent of the testimony, because testimony is another way of describing the Ten Commandments, and the tablets were placed in the ark which was placed inside the tent. And also the tent of meeting, because it was a place where the Lord met with his people. So the tabernacle was literally a tent, similar to the ones Israelites lived in, in which the sanctuary or the holy place was built. The sanctuary was an enclosed cubicle inside the tent where the high priest went once a year, but no one else could go in because... They could, in fact, be killed. Every piece of furniture in the tabernacle was there for the sole purpose to help his people better understand who God is, his nature, and his work and plan for salvation. The tabernacle served as a reminder that sin separates us from God. Our destiny was death. But God, in his infinite mercy, came down. He lived among us and provided for our rescue. In the Garden of Eden, God walked freely with Adam and Eve. Remember reading those stories? Just having a I can just picture it. They're an afternoon walk with God, maybe sharing, maybe eating together, laughing together. And this is what God wanted to recreate with the people of Israel. So he placed the tabernacle right in the middle of the camp. There were 12 tribes of Israel, and the tabernacle sat smack dab in the middle, in the center of all of them. It gave everyone equal access to God. And I just love that. God comes down from heaven, wants to make his home among his people and give each person access to him. What an amazing God. God chased after the Israelites and he has not stopped chasing after us. God is knocking at our door day in and day out because he wants to live among us too. Humanity as a whole is constantly avoiding God. But God pursues us. He seeks after us. Because he loves us and he's gracious and he always takes the first step. He is the first to extend the hand and say, 
I want to live with you. The tabernacle was an incredible symbol that God took the initiative in coming after his people to guide them, to lead them, to protect them, to rescue them. He took the first step. He took the first step then. And he takes the first step even today. From Genesis to the New Testament, we can see God gradually moving closer and closer to the heart of men. In Genesis, we see God in perfect relationship with men, taking walks with them, hanging out with Adam and Eve in the garden. But after the fall, God promised that through Abraham's seed, the salvation for the world would come. And that's why genealogies are so important in Scripture. As we mentioned this morning, Isaiah described in detail how the Son of God would eventually come so Israel would be able to recognize him and know who he is when he appeared. Then in the New Testament, we finally see Jesus, God in the flesh, who came to dwell among us. No longer through a curtain like in the tabernacle, but now in person as flesh and bones, so he could show the world how much God desires a relationship with us. And to extend God will to the extents that God will go to show his love for us. So today God wants to live in our hearts, the new tabernacle. He wants you to share with him, laugh with him, do life with him. God has always chased after us. He's done so since creation and will continue to do so until he fully restores the earth to his original design. He is love. He is mercy. And perhaps you haven't recognized that until today. So let me just say it one more time. God wants a relationship with you. He will go to what Ever extremes to pursue you. He will never give up, ever. No one understood that chase better than David, the psalmist. And we'll talk more about him this week, but for now I'd like to end with that last verse in his most famous psalm, Psalm 23. This is a psalm that has brought a lot of comfort and peace to many people. Excuse me, but it's one that resonates probably because there's something in our soul that completely understands that God chases after us. And David wrote in the last verse of Psalm 23, in verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for one day, forever. There is only one who is good, and there is only one who is mercy. And he has set out on a search to bring his children home. He will not rest until we are fully safe and sound where we belong 
in the house of the Lord forever. Do you want a relationship with God? I know I do. I don't want him to continue to chase after me. I want to stop and say, God, I hear you. God, yes, I accept your invitation. Please come and live inside my heart. I want to say yes. Do you want to say yes today? If you do, would you stand with me tonight? And let's say, Jesus, I want you to come and live in my heart. May my heart be your new tabernacle. And may I end this continual search that you have. And may we now dwell together. May we sit at the table. May we rejoice and share meals together. And live in the house forever. I'm going to invite my friend Tim to come. And let's have a special prayer. And I just want to say, if someone is really struggling with this tonight, and I just want to take a couple of minutes, if someone is really, really struggling with this tonight, and, and perhaps understands it in concept, but has not fully been able to put it into practice, would you come forward and would you accept a prayer from us tonight and just, we want to cheer you on, right, Tim? We, I just want to cheer you on in this journey. If you, if you have understood this in concept, but it has been difficult to put it into practice, would you come forward? I want to pray for you, and I want Tim to pray for you tonight. So let's just take a moment um, and, and just, if you, if you would pray as well, and let's just take a moment um, and consider that. If you want, Jesus, I want to not only understand this in concept, I want this to be my life's journey. Please come forward. Pray together, Lord of Heaven, we are so grateful that Jesus would leave a place of comfort to come to this place where there's brokenness and tremendous need. Lord of Heaven, we thank you that it was your desire to tabernacle with us and to make us a sanctuary that we could have relationship with our Heavenly Father one who created more things than we could possibly imagine or dream to see, and yet you've done these things to reveal yourself and to show your, how glorious you are and yet how beautiful and how amazing it is that you would come near us and invite us to walk by faith with you. Lord of heaven, we're here tonight to reaffirm our faith and to and to listen for your spirit. And I just want to thank you, God, for this dear sister who's come forward to ask for your anointing and ask for a blessing in her life. 
she's opened up her heart to receive you, and we'd like to ask for your spirit to bless her with not only renewed joy, but to take away the obstacles that would hinder her journey of faith and and others who maybe wanted to come forward but didn't, you give them the freedom to just embrace you and look up with empty arms and just say, Lord, I will trust you. Amen. And I will walk by faith with you. Yes, Lord. And I will open your word and I will see how it applies to my life. And, and I pray, God, that you bless each one tonight. Those who have walked with you for many years and those who have just learned perhaps today or recently what it means to trust a God who gives, a God who serves, a God who saves. Thank you, Lord, for the message you've given us through Pastor uh, Kayla, and I want to ask that you bless her as she continues this week for Reclaim. Thank you, God, for hearing us tonight, and we love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, and... See you tomorrow night. All right.